I, Jeff Yoakum, president of Marquee Search. Thanks for joining us again for this episode of Marquee Matchup. I'm very excited to be joined by an industry professional, uh, very well-respected friend, and someone who's just taken an exciting new job, Jessica Smith. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Thank you. I've realized I'm the person that on these calls actually like waves too. So <laughs> I don't know why. It's just a natural like we're in the room together, but we're not. It's I can't do a handshake. So that's what I end up with. Well, it's going to be hard when we can get back together, kind of what the new, you know, what the new protocols are and getting used to it. You know, it's it's a it's a brave new world and we're kind of living in it right now. That's true. That's true. I don't know if handshakes are coming back anytime soon. I don't I don't think so. I don't have to teach my four-year-old a firm handshake and good eye contact right now. Let's it's make contact eye contact with the camera. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the thing that you have to to do most. Although it'll be interesting to see young children because they're used to seeing everyone in masks. Like they look at the eyes, right? Because that's the only part of the face that they can really yeah. focus on. So we'll see what those effects are too. Well, I want to talk to you about kids in a second. I'm going to give a quick intro for everybody here so they get a chance to get to know you as well as I do. So the new job I was talking about, Jessica, is the very first head of corporate partnerships for Angel City FC, the brand new National Women's Soccer League club based in Los Angeles. For those that don't know about the expansion franchise, the ever-growing list of team owners include a mix of Hollywood A-listers along with a who's who of sports, Natalie Portman, Jessica Chastain, Jennifer Garner, Serena Williams, Mia Hamm, Abby Wambach, Lindsey Vaughn and P.K. Subban, Billie Jean King, Candace Parker. What is it about these new LA soccer clubs and their huge number of owners? Uh, back to you, you're from upstate New York. You graduated from SUNY Oswego. After interning with a minor league baseball team and attending the baseball winter meetings, you landed out west with Inland Empire 66ers in sales. Looking to take your talents to a bigger stage, you ended up with the Oakland A's starting in group sales, which led to a management role and then a pivot over to corporate partnerships in a hybrid role doing new business and renewals. You spent almost seven years with the A's. Wow. During your time with the A's, you began the professional master's of sports administration program at Ohio University to differentiate yourself and further your ascension in sports. You finished the program in 2015 and ended up going to grow, moving to the Midwest, where you took a leadership role in corporate partnerships with the NHL Columbus Blue Jackets. After a couple of years in Columbus, somehow you ended up back in the Bay Area working in soccer, of all things. You became the VP of corporate partnerships for the San Jose Earthquakes, a role that you held for close to four years. That brings us to today. Wow. Yeah, that keeps getting so much longer. I don't know whether I feel older or smarter or both. <laughs> Wiser is probably the way that I would put it. Yeah. So if we talk about kids just for a second, you know, we're both fellow parents. I love hearing from other parents during a protracted, you know, a pandemic about the kinds of things that you know you're doing to help your crew just manage. And we're coming off of, of Halloween as well. So are there certain things that have, have helped you guys or things that you can share with us? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a ton of help, but we do our best, I think, like everyone else. I think we had to learn pretty early on that um, we needed to be flexible, but also firm in different ways when it comes to safety, right? You know, we have a 15-month-old daughter named Kipton, and, you know, she's tiny and she can't wear a mask, you know? So that means every decision that we make, you know, um, you know has to affect her. So... We have survived by a lot of wine <laughs> in our household um, on the evenings, you know, that, that that's allowed for. 
Um, but also just spending as much time outside as we can. You know, we're fortunate to live in California um, and at least when you know we weren't experiencing the terrible air quality and unfortunate fires um, in the past months, you know, going to parks that are wide open without other people in them, going for many walks, being outside really as much as possible is our remedy to having a very energetic, tiny human being. Um, you know, and, and I'd be remiss to say, we at very early on, um, you know, had a, a talk with our nanny and she is an incredible help to us and has allowed us to remain working, which I know is not the case for everybody. And we just put her in our bubble. So, you know, how we get by is that we have incredible help, <laughs> a little bit of laughter in the middle of chaos uh, and as much time outdoors as we can. Yeah, well, you're doing it with grace. So there's, there's something to be said for that. You made a career move, a non-forced career move. You know, there are forced career moves or non-forced. You made a non-forced career move during a pandemic. How how do you how do you make that kind of decision? I'm I'm a fan of decision making processes. How do you how do you do that? You know, it's interesting. I think for everybody in every business during this time, you know, COVID and right before COVID, I think our society is in an interesting time of reflection, where you're really asking yourself as a consumer small questions like who am I supporting? Why am I supporting them? You know, as a human being, you're asking yourself, you know, now that we're kind of just in our homes with our families, right? Am I spending enough family time? Am I doing, you know, things the way I want to do them? There's just been some, I think, good personal thought processes. And for me, you know, as Angel City began coming together and I've known the project for a little over a year and the founder, Julie Ehrman, you can't help but be inspired by the impact that they are seeking out to make. And being a small part of the early discussions and, and seeing the openness to every layer of that organization from ownership down to you know, every employee that they're bringing on to make those commitments and make that you know, really be purpose-driven. Um, it was just alluring to think about doing something that's more than myself, right? You know, I've had an incredible experience in this industry and been very fortunate to work for multiple leagues and learn an incredible amount of information so I'm sitting here personally, you know, thinking through this decision, it's what can I do with that knowledge that I feel really good about at this stage of my career? And being a woman and a person who's personally been impacted by sports from a very young age and being a young woman that, you know, grew up watching, you know, the beginning of the WNBA and thinking how incredible that was and seeing where we are today and knowing the power of the NWSL and the WNBA given the right resource and attention and growth, you know, to me, it was, how do I not be a part of that? How does, it just fits my ethos. And I think, candidly, I think everything I've worked for led me to this opportunity to make the biggest impact I can um, for this sport right now. Well, it's, it's cool. And I appreciate you sharing kind of the story. So if we think about your story a little bit, you have an interesting professional path that goes from baseball winter meetings, minor league baseball, major league baseball, an advanced degree, the NHL, MLS, then now the NWSL. So a startup, you know, how, how did you, how did you get on that path? How did you get to this place? For me, I always, you know, have honest conversations with people like yourself, you know, just every stage of my life and career. And I think it's important to always force yourself to learn and not get comfortable. And a lot of times that can be done internally, right? My my opportunity at the A's is case in point, you know, where there's different departments that maybe you can learn from and make sure that you're benefiting the company in different ways. But at times it has to be done externally. If you're really gonna differentiate yourself, really show that you can handle different markets, different sports, you know, and, and pushing yourself to do that. And I've always just been curious, right? And I've always been somebody who enjoys calculated risk. 
you know, and thinking about what those opportunities mean. And I think it's interesting being at this point and you saying those things and reflecting back, like, wow, like that's a lot, right? You know, that I was able to experience and accomplish and incredible people that I was able to work beside. And by doing that, my network has expanded, my knowledge has expanded, you know, and, and you know, now I get to go use all of those resources with a startup that is a whole different pace, you know, and, and much different than the established, you know, teams that I was working within, but to get a say as to how we get to that point, right? To use what works, what doesn't work, what was great, what could have been better, and to, to have that influence at the ground up, you know, I think is something everybody in our career dreams of doing, launching a team, opening a stadium, being a part of a championship. There's some staple moments we all seek out, and this is one of them. So on that note, tell us more about Angel City FC and maybe even about the unique approach to sponsorships that I've heard about. Yeah, so at a, at a large perspective, the organization is purpose-driven and that's gonna flow through every piece of who we are. Um, we are here to ignite higher expectations on and off the field. We are here to set a new bar for what that means and we're here to do it through impact. Um, and with that, we know that will lead to success and we'll be able to you know, breed a new standard for what we know, you know, exists, not just female sports, not just women's sports, but sports in general. And so how that came about um, on the sponsorship side is, you know, myself and Julie Ehrman, who's the, one of the founders and the CEO of the club, you know, I had gotten to know the club again over, you know, a year, understood who they were from a purpose standpoint, you know, as we're thinking about the sponsorship strategy, I'm like, we can talk this talk, but when you're in the room and talking to people, like you really have to be able to tell them like, okay, well, how does this affect my brand? Like, what does this actually mean? And I said, hey, do you think, you know, our ownership would be in interested in doing something, you know, that's pretty significant, like 10% back to actual impact? She's like, oh, absolutely. You know, as so we put a business plan together um, and the folks that she internalized it with, like every single person was just incredibly supportive. Like, this is exactly who we are. This is how we're going to go about making impact and how we're going to make sure that, we're not just making impact for brands and you know we're making impact for our players on the field and making impact for our community and, and all of those things together will make our brand the global powerhouse we know it can be right so this is all just the beginning um, of the impact pieces that we'll have planned there'll be many more rolling out you know as you start to see more details from the club unfold well it seems like a, another way to stand out in a really crowded marketplace there in la i mean you you know there's your owners there's a lot there's a lot of things that are you guys are standing out for uh, but certainly when you talk about a model like that in terms of, you know, really putting your money where your mouth is, you know, I can imagine what a pitch meeting looks like that's probably different than ones you've done before. Yeah, I mean, candidly, it looks like this. It looks like, hey, here's who Angel City is. Here's why we stand for purpose, you know, purpose and impact. Here's how we're going to reach those through essentials and equality and education. And we give some examples of what that means. Here's who's amplifying our message, to your point, with our incredible group, you know, that, um, is working with us from an investor standpoint and sharing details like collectively, you know, they have almost a hundred million Instagram followers. Like these are some of the most influential people in the world, you know, and then we go into, and here's how we'll change the world, you know? So the pitch is not, Hey, you're going to get led time and radio and TV. Of course, all those things will come, you know, with a partnership, but it's more that when we, when consumers see angel city locked up with a brand, we, have, we want them to say things like, oh, did you know that they gave $100,000 to youth scholarships this year? Oh, did you know that they're tackling food insecurity in Los Angeles? Did you know that they're supplying 
you know, sports bras for young women, which we found out from our work with LA84 is the top reason that young women stop playing sports. Those are the types of statements that we want to be known for and that we want our partnerships to be known for. And then every other asset will back that up, right? Like when people see it in other places, they'll know what that means because of the work that we've done. Yeah, no, it's, I'm, I can't wait to see how this all play, uh, you know, plays out. You guys are launching 2022. Is that when the team's going to play? Yeah, so we'll, we'll take the field in 2022, but we will start announcing partners here likely in the coming weeks. Do we know where the field is? We do. Can you share where the field is? <laughs> I cannot. It will be in Los Angeles. <laughs> so, so there's that. Uh, yes, we will. Uh, we will. Yes. Yeah, it will be in the Los Angeles area, I should say. Uh, so we will be announcing that um, likely in the coming month, I should say, safely. So we're working on the final details. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see news kind of coming out. I mean, you have a calendar, you have to look at the calendar and say, we've got to stay top of mind. What are the ways that we're going to continue to you know, message? It's pretty constant. So we'll announce where we're going to play. And then following that, um, early in the new year, we're pretty quickly going to announce colors, which are incredible, um, and our crest, which is also incredible. It's first of its kind in so many different ways um, and very meaningful to who we are. And then, you know, as you can imagine, things really speed up, start to sign players, coaches, technical director. We launch our first kit. We lost, launch our first away kit. Um, you know, memberships on sale, season tickets on sale, fan base comes together. I mean, we already have three supporters groups right now for, I think there's a little bit over 1500 folks um, lined up with them. So there's a lot brewing that, you know, throughout 2021 is gonna feel and come together in a really big way. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, I can't wait to stay on top of that stuff. So career-wise, we talk about, I mean, you did five, some like five years or so in ticket sales before pivoting over to corporate partnerships and you've really grown in that discipline. Was that something that was an intentional decision? You know, that's, I guess it's kind of two-part question that, and then also what, what has the learning curve been like? Because there's probably people that are listening that want to know how do I do that and what is it, what's the difference? What is it like? Yeah, what's funny is uh, it wasn't intentional at first. <laughs> so I loved selling tickets and I loved selling group tickets and I was really good at it. At the time I was working for a couple of gentlemen who I loved working for, Brian DiTucci and, and Steve Pinelli. And I was learning every day and they were providing resource to me and allowing me to manage. And sponsorship had opened up um, a position and a woman, Amy McEwen, who I don't know if you're familiar with, um, you know, she's up in Seattle right now with T-Mobile, but she was at the A's for 10 years running marketing for them. She's just incredible. And, and we'd become friends. And she said, well, why aren't you looking at the sponsorship role? And I was like, well, I'm doing great. Like, why would I look at that? <laughs> you know, that's, I'm managing people, I'm doing this, you know. She's like, I just think you'd be really good at it. And what I had ended up starting to do at the A's is, you know, I, in the group space, back then this was somewhat innovative. It feels like a very long time ago saying this but putting together different theme nights or heritage nights to generate ticket sales. And I would put together these basically mini business plans and then make sure sponsorship had them so that they had different legs to, you know, put sponsors out to fans that way or even sell additional revenue too. So I understood how it all worked really quickly and liked to find as much revenue around every opportunity as possible. And, you know, she had planted the seed. And once I thought about it, you know, again, I go back to when I make decisions, you know, about my career, I always look forward five years. What will this feel like in five years if I do this? And at the time I was solely focused on working to become a director in ticket sales. Like that was just my goal in front of me. I took a step back and thought, okay, well, what comes after that? 
and it's, it's streamlined, right? So I was like, okay, I really want to do this, you know, and, and ended up working for a gentleman, Darren Gross, who, you know, was very patient and taught me everything. I'll never forget sitting in my first sponsorship meeting and someone said QSR. I was like, what's a QSR? Like, I had no idea, <laughs> no idea. And they're like quick service restaurant, you know, just this lingo that every marketer of course understands, you know, and, and I just, you know, had a steep learning curve, but with sponsorship, you know, and, and partnerships in general, it's really about being able to understand how everything can work together and how you can truly leverage your property. So if you get, you know, the, it's not just signage and you can tell the story and execute the other elements of what it feels like in the community department, what it feels like, you know, in the ticketing department, how it feels if you're a fan sitting in section 121, you know, and bring that together, you know, um, it, it's not, difficult. It's difficult in the sense that you have to find the right people to talk to, that you have to be relentless in the opportunity to sell it because sometimes the deals take a really long time to come together. Um, we're ticketing, obviously, there's instant gratification, right? Like you feel good every day you leave, you meet X amount of calls and you think X amount of revenue is coming in or sponsorship, you might send 14 emails and give two proposals. And there's going to be just a month where you don't hear back from people, right? You know, when you're first selling. Um, and people don't know who you are, or why would they answer your phone? Or why would a CMO call you back when they're getting 9,000 other inquiries from around the world? Um, but it's about being relentless and, and figuring that out. So it's, it was an easy curve for me in that it felt very natural. Um, and, and I feel like I came across it um, naturally, but it's a steep learning curve. I think when you're thinking about making the move from just the patience and tenacity that you need to have. Isn't that interesting how the people that you work for make such a difference? I mean, with her, Amy, giving you that kind of advice and opening your world to these new possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I'm forever grateful. I always, every time I make a move, I'm like, Amy, this is because of you. <laughs> yeah. I, I love stories, you know, the, every story's different and how they got there and, and what, you know, what paths they took to get to where they are. And I mean, you're in the middle of a story, but it's, you know, we're taking a break to discuss the first few chapters. So that's really cool. No, Absolutely. As it relates to the differences you've worked, I always love this, you know, to dive in a little bit as it relates to working in different leagues and the experiences you had, you know, these are really different, I mean, different teams, but, it, you know, when you look at the league infrastructure, do you see differences, similarities when you look back and think about the different leagues that you've worked in? Absolutely. I mean, each league is so unique in who they're reaching and what their demographics are, what their broadcast deals look like, right? And they're just they all stand alone and are all incredibly strong in so many different ways. So getting an inside peek into what those strengths are, um, you know, have, have been just really valuable to me just as somebody that understands the market, you know, so as I'm having just conversations with any brands or other people that are looking to, you know, sell sponsorship, you know, I'm able to speak to like, oh, they're an NHL deal. That makes sense because of X, Y, and Z or, or they're supporting baseball. Like I know this about their product that's actually perfect for them, right? But then you also know with who you're representing where your strengths are against them, right? You know, so I think, you know, it just adds a trust to conversations that um, I'm fortunate to have. But in general, you know, the leagues are, it's, it's so difficult what they do and they do a tremendous job in that every team and market is so unique, right? And they're all gonna have their unique fan bases and, and slightly unique demographics and certainly challenges and successes. And then you have to tie that into what's the overall league story. And then the league, you know, supports it in incredible amount of ways and makes decisions that allows us to continue to grow. 
So during COVID specifically and working for major league soccer, you know, I was able to really see how valuable that was, you know, as soon as um, everything shut down, the league was very adamant, like, Hey guys, like we're in this together, everyone take a seat, like, let's figure this out. And we did, right. We very quickly put together the plan um, to play in Orlando, which was incredibly successful. And from our seat, you know, we then got to work, you know, with the infamous discussions that are still ongoing, you know, in the sponsorship industry around make goods and where your brand's going to be seen and why this year is different. But watching the intricacies of how that had to come together from everything from building fields to camera angles to worrying about thunderstorms to, I mean, it was just incredible to see the talent collectively inside an organization move that quickly within weeks to adapt, you know, in a, in a way that kept us all doing what we wanted to be doing um, and kept our players playing as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, I, I, it's interesting again to hear perspectives and what it's like for different people to work in different organizations and, and leagues. Uh, speaking of decisions and, and you know making decisions on careers, how, how did you end up pursuing your master's degree? Tell me a little bit more about that. So that's another uh, you know coworker kind of pushed me to the side. I was like, you need to do this. So David King, who I, I'm not sure who you're familiar with, he runs partnerships right now mm -hmm. uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx. And uh, I like to say I taught him everything he knows. So you know, hopefully he listens to this and gets to hear that. But he's he gotten has, promotions. He's, he's I know, the, right? Yeah. And he jokes like, because I'll get promoted, then he'll get promoted, and then I'll get promoted, and then he's like, "Okay, now, now what am I going to do?" Um, we look forward to the day that we get to work together at some point. That's that's something that we always uh, say is in the cards. Um, but he was doing the program. He he had started in 2014, and at the time he was still working in ticketing at the A's, and I had moved over to sponsorship. You know, so we would go to our weekly lunch to just catch up with things and hearing him speak about that program and his classmates and the work he was getting to do to define his leadership was exactly what I was looking for. You know, you could do that internally, but having an outside resource to try do like the trial and error and really ask yourself some of those questions and get some, some learnings around operations and, you know, more finance and how this stuff works was just um, really alluring to me. So I ended up signing up um, not soon thereafter. And I started in the 2015 class. Um, so I, fo I followed his footsteps very proudly there. Whether it's there or elsewhere, are you glad you did that? I mean, is that advice you'd give to someone? I would never give the advice of, you know, an MBA or something that before you get work experience, you know, unless it's your a specialty that you have to, right? Education that you have to. But you did exactly that. You got the work experience and then you go back and then get the advanced degree for a lot of reasons and that's propelled your career. So yeah, for me, that is the advice I'd give is that you know, it was a big investment for me. You know, we can't ignore that piece of it. And, you know, I personally was the first person in my family to go to college, period, you know, and had to put myself through undergrad. So I understood the investments and I understood the student loans that I was paying off, you know, after a four-year state school, you know, and I understood what this meant to take this on. But for me, you know, I, at the time, knew that I needed one additional resource for myself to really push myself to that next level. And this program as well, um, you know, again, any education you choose, but for me, it was about people, you know, and, and seeing who was really involved in the alumni, the Ohio program was where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it everything I have. I'm really going to expand my network. I'm going to ask for help. And then, you know, really make sure that I'm taking full advantage of this if I'm going to make the investment. Um, and I did, but 
Absolutely. I, I personally think you have to be in the right space and you have to not just do something to do it. There's many people who have the degree that didn't push themselves to do the networking or didn't push themselves to get something out of it that they then brought back into what they're doing now. And in that case, you know, it really doesn't mean too much if you can't translate it to what you're doing. Well, appreciate the the guidance and advice there for probably a lot of young professionals that are grappling with that decision, especially given, you know, the, the situation out there right now. Uh, if we talk about, I don't like to make this too much about COVID, but, you know, it's always the backdrop um, in 2020. How do you think, if you put your futurist hat on a little bit and just think about what how professional sports organizations look, how they have to adapt and, and you know, what the consequences are in 2021 and beyond, do you have any kind of anticipations about that? I do. And I don't know if, you know, like all of us, you know, I think we've learned that while I have some feelings about it, I'll just preface it with, I mean, so many of us have little control, right? I think over what comes next. Um, I think a positive that I like to talk about first, because I think a lot of this, you know, um, can be difficult, you know, to, to look at. It's the first time I've seen our industry be so vulnerable, candidly, and that's that's scary for me to see some tremendous people that I know um, out of work or searching for work or waiting to see what comes next so that they can get back to work. Um, but a positive that's come out of this is I think everybody's a human first and the humanity piece has just been overwhelmingly beautiful. Whether it's text messages with people you haven't caught up with in five years, whether it's true care that people are showing on social platforms or calling people and asking how they can help, whether it's every meeting starting with how are you and people answering like the right way, like, hey, I'm tired, <laughs> I'm exhausted, my sleep's going to, my child's going through, you know, a sleep issue, or I had to work really late on my laptop, like, and you're in your house, and you're just sick of seeing the same wall over and over again, or eating the same food, or, you know, you're just mentally not in a great space. And I think it's allowed for some just different level connections that I hope all of us keep and take with us moving forward. Um, I, I think the power of sports is just something that can never be replicated. So I have a, a full belief that this industry will be coming back and people will be looking to their hometown teams and their leagues that they love watching with more anticipation than ever before. And our athletes will be performing with heart more than they ever were before because people want that back. The timing of it, right, is what I think is the most difficult piece to tackle um, and how that affects people, you know, second to that, you know, is, is the other piece there. But I fully believe, um, we'll be back tenfold. I just don't know when that moment will be. And I do hope um, that one piece, one other piece I think is that remote working has become really doable. And I think we've proven that we can do so effectively if not more effectively at different times. You know, I do think many organizations, you know, it's more of an old school mentality of compared to other business anyways, right? Where you're in the office pretty consistently. If you're not there, you're at a meeting, then you're back in the office it's not necessarily the best use of anyone's time and resource. You know, I think the trust that's come with, you know, having us use technology consistently, you know, will be something that betters everybody's, I think, um, work-life balance moving forward. Yeah, I like the way you put it. I mean, if there's real communication going on and real uh, genuine, you know, uh, community that's built, you know, in these kinds of times. Yeah. What do you, what are you most looking forward to on the other side of it, you know, when we do get there? What, what are you, are there things you're looking forward to more than others? Hugging people. <laughs> I mean, seeing people like I, I love that I get to talk to 
people no matter where they are, you know, and have meetings really quickly. Like there's days that I'm having in-person, in-person meetings four times a day with somebody in New York and Austin and LA, you know, and that's just unbelievable, you know, where I'd usually fly out and, you know, spend that time. So I, but I am looking forward to building relationships in person again, sitting side by side with people in a stadium, you know, full of fans. There's no feeling like that, you know, as all of us know. And once you've experienced those incredible moments, you know, I think you just look to get back there. And I want to bring my daughter, you know, like I want her to, you know, my vision of having children and, and being a sports executive is that she gets to grow up with these incredible experiences too. And that's normal to her. Um, so we need to, we need to get her back there. No kidding. I can't wait to take my kids again to sporting events and get to hear the roar of a crowd. It's going to be, it's, it's if, incredible. If I ever, yeah. The, the, the gratitude that you have for that. I hope that we don't lose it. You know, that after whatever, a year or two in the roaring twenties that we're all seeing still how grateful we should be for that. Yeah, absolutely. There's just, there's no better feeling. There's more, no more unifying feeling. You know, you look at really everything, you know, in society that's been difficult and sports has those moments, you know, that bring people back together and, and there's really meaningful time. Um, and I, that's coming and I, I can't wait for it. If you weren't working in the big top circus of sports, what do you think you might be doing professionally? I would be working for a brand. So I think from a brand perspective, you know, I have just as much passion for the influence that a brand can have and how that brand is seen and where they spend their money and what that means to people and ultimately makes as much money as possible. I think, you know, it's a very similar path, but I love being the connector inside organizations and being able to push things out. So I, I know pretty confidently, I think that I'd be on the brand side um, or would have found my way there. Interesting. Okay. Well, hopefully sports never drives you away, but the, the brands are always, you're, you're one step away from really that, aren't you? Yes, but yeah, very happy in the in the sports world at this point. Well, if you put your mentoring hat on real quick as we wrap up uh, for you, if you have one favorite piece of advice, whether that's that you've received or that you give career advice wise, can you share that with us? Yeah, it's do what is right, not what is easy. And it's not always easy to do that within organizations. Um, and it may not always be personally effective and it may not always be good for you in the short term, but I'm a big believer in building your personal brand. You know, I, I know that where I got to today, you know, candidly, Julie reached out to me, the, the again, Julie Ehrman, the founder and CEO of Angel City on LinkedIn because a few different people who she had no idea, you know, told her like, oh, you should talk to Jess Smith. She's the best gal in sponsorship. And it was that, like, that was my reputation. And I look back at the decisions I've made, you know, um, some difficult, some, you know, that, you know, definitely propelled me, that let me stand on who I am and never faltered from, you know, doing things I would never be proud of or, you know, acting in a way that I didn't fully believe in. Um, and I know that that's what makes me successful is that what I do, I do believe in. And ultimately, you know, I think that's contagious to, to selling and, and certainly, you know, the effects that we get to have. So when you're in situations, whether, you know, big and small, like, just do the right thing. Be a good person. You know, even if it's not easy to do, don't take shortcuts. You know, there, it, it all comes back eventually. I've seen it now that I've, that I've been here for, you know, 16, 17 years. Yeah, that's, I was just thinking of, as you said that, you know, the words I was thinking is it's, it's often it's harder. Often it means you didn't take the path of least resistance or you didn't take the shortcut. You know, you stayed the course, something that took a longer period of time and, and took more sacrifice. 
um, and you had a choice too. But you ch if if that's how you make choices, it's a it's a great kind of divining rod to help you make decisions. Absolutely, and you do find end up finding more success, right? So whether it's you know the small things of ticket sales and taking a lead that's not yours, right, or maybe selling a deal and sponsorship that you didn't check with somebody else because you know it's not great. Like if you do those things the right way, you build trust and ultimately internal, internally and externally, you get that reputation and, and you end up being more successful. That's good stuff. Well, Jess, I really appreciate your time. I know you've got a lot going on with the new gig. Uh, thank you. It's always fun to catch up with you and, and do appreciate you and, and wish you the best during the holiday season. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for your support over the years and always your your guidance. You know, I tell everybody I know that's that's uh, looking for their next step or wants somebody to chat with that you've got to talk to Jeff and I send your cell phone number and you get a bunch of random phone calls. <laughs> They're like, Jess told me to call you, but you are just a tremendous resource in our industry and, and a wealth of knowledge and a good human being. And it's so appreciated. Well, I, I really appreciate that. You're gracious to say that. Good to see you. You take care. Yes, you too. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>